hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am Margot, and this episode is a celebration. Because as of now, we have completed our journey with the Fool through the Major Arcana. One of the major keywords for the meaning of the world in tarot is completion. And we f- I'm feeling a sense of completion today. Um, this is the last episode of the year. We will be returning on January 5th. I am taking a two-week break to tie up a lot of loose ends, uh, finish a lot of unfinished work, and preserve my sanity. So I hope that all of you who are feeling in need of a break towards the close of the year are getting that much-needed break. Um, it's just really necessary sometimes, and it's been an amazing year. I love you all, and I want to express my gratitude for your support, and I am very excited for the following year to come. From this point on, we'll be venturing into the minor arcana, touching upon the four suits first, and then counting our way up through the meanings of each card, especially their numerological significance and how each of their prospective suits and ruling elements and properties affect and change the meanings that they represent. I'm geeking out. Are you geeking out? (laughs) But first, we're going to explore the world especially how, although this is a completion of the major arcana, the way it relates to life and our own personal journey or journeys uh, also represents a restart and a new beginning because it's all a cycle, not a straight line with a beginning and an end. So the world card in tarot typically represents completion, fulfillment, and harmony. It signifies the end of a journey, as well as the readiness to strike out on a new one, a leveling up, if you will, achievement of goals, and reaching a state of wholeness or enlightenment. This card suggests a sense of accomplishment, unity, and integration of different aspects of life. It often symbolizes a time of fulfillment, success, and a new cycle about to begin very appropriate for this last episode of the year. But how did we get here? How did we transition from the shedding and awakening of judgment to this place of highest achievement? So in the fool's journey, the final transition from the judgment card to the world card signifies a culmination of the fool's experiences. The judgment card, as we know, represents a period of awakening realization, and an inner calling. It symbolizes a moment of reflection where the individual undergoes a profound assessment of their past actions and decisions. It signifies a spiritual rebirth or awakening, a time of reckoning, and a chance for redemption and absolution. As the fool progresses from judgment to the world, they've undergone a process of self-reflection, introspection, and transformation. The world card then marks the culmination of the fool's journey, representing that completion, that fulfillment, and integration of lessons learned throughout all of their adventures thus far. It signifies reaching a state of enlightenment, wholeness, and harmony, having gained wisdom, experiences, and understanding from their journey through the major arcana. 
In essence, the transition from judgment to the world signifies a transition of self-reflection and awakening to a sense of accomplishment, unity, and fulfillment. It indicates that the fool has attained a higher level of understanding, readiness, and completeness as they conclude their journey through the major arcana. All right. Let's fill our brains with some context clues by going over the imagery and symbolism on the world card in the RWS system of tarot. The world card in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck is rich with symbolism representing completion, integration, and achievement. Here are some key elements that you may find. In the center of the card, there is a figure, sometimes referred to as the dancer, She's draped in a purple cloth, and her pose is reminiscent of a mandala as she engages in a never-ending dance. She holds a wand in each hand, and she symbolizes balance, unity, and evolution. Each corner of the card features a figure representing the four elements. The angel, representing Aquarius and the element of air. The eagle, representing Scorpio and the element of water, the lion, representing Leo and the element of fire, and finally the bull, representing Taurus and the element of earth. These creatures symbolize stability, passion, intuition, and intellect, showcasing harmony among all the elements, as well as between all energy Surrounding the central dancing figure is a circular wreath of bay laurels, denoting victory, attainment, mastery, completion, cycles, and interconnectedness. It signifies a wholeness and the eternal cycle of life, birth, and renewal, suggesting that the fool has reached a full circle in their journey. The two wands in the dancer's hands represent a caduceus, which is an ancient symbol of balance and healing. And the world card embodies this unity of opposites, the balance of the elements and the completion of a significant phase in the fool's journey. Uh, as the fool has arrived at both the end and the start of their journey, they've reached achievement, fulfillment, and the attainment through struggle, persistence, and evolution through a higher understanding or enlightenment after completing their passage through the major arcana. So the world is the 21st card in the major arcana. Remember, although we have 22 cards here, we started off with the fool at zero. So the last card is 21. In numerology, the number 21 is a composite number composed of the energies and attributes of the numbers two and one. Number two resonates with balance, harmony, partnerships, duality, cooperation, and relationships. It represents the energy of collaboration, diplomacy, intuition, and receptivity. It signifies finding balance between opposing forces and seeking harmony in interactions. While number one is associated with new beginnings, independence, leadership, individuality, originality, initiative, it carries the energy of creation, ambition, assertiveness, and it symbolizes taking the first steps towards goals, asserting oneself, and embracing new opportunities. 
When we combine these, the number 21 begins to encompass all of these energies, emphasizing our harmonious balance between independence and cooperation, beginnings and partnerships. It suggests the integration of individuality and also collaboration, indicating the importance of maintaining balance while pursuing new endeavors and relationships. Balance, balance, balance. And in tarot, the number 21, as we are learning, reflects the synthesis of diverse experiences and attainment of wisdom and the understanding gained after reaching a significant milestone. So overall, the number 21, like the world card, symbolizes a time of completion, fulfillment, and successful integration of various aspects of life, encouraging harmony, balance, and unity in both personal as well as collaborative endeavors. So the world card is also ruled by the planet Saturn and the element of Earth. Saturn in astrology holds several characteristics and properties that shape its influence on individuals as well as the collective. And you may recall some of these elements from the Daily Magic series having to do with Saturday and Saturn. But here are some key points to keep in mind. Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn and Aquarius governing the qualities, traits, and themes associated with these signs. It represents structure and stability, discipline and responsibility, karmic influences, limitations and challenges, time, patience, and wisdom, authority and governance, career and achievements, conservatism and tradition, and lessons through challenges. Saturn's presence often brings challenging experiences that encourage personal development, self-reflection, and a deeper understanding of life's complexities. While Saturn's influence can bring difficulties, it also offers invaluable opportunities for personal development, resilience, and the attainment of long-term success and wisdom. Very important. This is the tough love teacher who you didn't particularly love, but from whom you actually learned the absolute most from, at least for most. And as far as the earth element is concerned, it represents stability, practicality, and material manifestations. Some key characteristics of the earth element include groundedness and stability, Earth is linked to stability, groundedness, and a solid foundation. It represents the physical realm, material possessions, and tangible aspects of life. Also, practicality and reliability, sensuality and physicality, manifestation and materialization, nurturing and grounding, uh, conservatism and tradition again. The Earth element tends to be conservative, respecting tradition and valuing established norms. It can prefer stability over change and often emphasizes practicality and reliability in decision making. And of course, a connection to nature. Earth represents a strong connection to nature, emphasizing the importance of being in tune with the natural world, respecting its rhythms and finding harmony within it. In astrology, the earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, embody these earth element qualities. Individuals with prominent earth placements in their birth charts often exhibit these traits in their personalities and in their approach to life. The earth element contributes a sense of practicality, reliability, 
and stability to the overall balance of the zodiac and plays a significant role in shaping how individuals navigate their experiences in the physical realm. In magic and esoteric practices, the earth element holds sway over various aspects of its and is associated with specific attributes and correspondences. These include the physical realm and manifestation, stability and grounding, practicality and manifestation, abundance and prosperity, growth and nurturing, protection and boundaries, and of course, again, a connection to nature. Practitioners often incorporate the earth element correspondences such as crystals and gemstones, herbs, salt, soil, pentacles, and symbols representing stability and abundance into their magical practices to harness the energies associated with the earth element. Rituals and spells involving grounding, prosperity, physical health, and materialization often utilize the earth element's energies to bring about desired outcomes in the physical realm. So that's a lot of information to point us to what the world card means when it comes up in a tarot reading. And they all seem to culminate into a list of possible interpretations. These are completion and wholeness. The world card signifies the end of a significant cycle or journey. It represents a sense of accomplishment and reaching a state of wholeness. This completion could relate to a long-term goal, a project, or a personal transformation. Also, integration and unity. It symbolizes the integration of various aspects of life, body, mind, and spirit, for example. And this card suggests that the individual has harmonized conflicting elements, achieved balance, and embraced their totality. Also, fulfillment and success. The world card signifies the attainment of one's desires, the realization of dreams, the achievement of significant milestones, and it, for this reason, it's a time of celebration and contentment. It could be cycles and renewal. This card often points to the cyclical nature of life. It signifies the end of one phase and the beginning of another, and may suggest that the querent is ready to embark on a new phase or a new journey in life, carrying the lessons learned from the past one into a fresh new beginning. It could be wholeness and unity with the universe. The world card signifies a profound understanding of oneself and the world. It represents a connection to the greater universe, a sense of unity, and a broader perspective beyond individual concerns. In this case, it also points to personal wholeness and implies an alignment with cosmic energies, suggesting that the individual is in harmony with the universe and their place within it. It could be success through mastery, reflecting mastery and expertise in a particular area. Um, this individual could have gained wisdom, experience, and skill leading to accomplishments and recognition. It could be the integration of lessons. The card suggests that the individual has learned valuable lessons throughout their journey, and they've integrated these lessons, grown in wisdom, and are now ready for a new phase in life. Spiritual alignment. This is ultimately what the entire journey through the major arcana has been about. On a spiritual level, the world card signifies spiritual enlightenment, a deeper understanding of the self, and a connection to higher truths. 
And it may symbolize a profound spiritual awakening or a significant spiritual milestone. And finally, recognition and celebration. The appearance of the world card can indicate honor or the celebration for the querent's achievements. It may symbolize a time of joy, celebration, and achievement for their efforts and their accomplishments. It's a celebration, <laughs> which I just said. Um, in essence, when the world card appears in a tarot reading, it signifies a moment of culmination a moment of achievement and integration. And not only that, but a moment of feeling that sense of achievement, knowing that you've arrived and feeling like it's time to also celebrate that milestone. It is a time of celebration, success, and a reminder that endings only lead to new beginnings. The individual is in a position of mastery, having learned and grown from their experiences and ready to embrace what lies ahead with newfound wisdom and understanding, like leveling up. Uh, so I want before I move on, I wanted to read the last entry in The Fool's Journey Through the Tarot, Major Arcana by Noel Eastwood. This book is a fun little tale about, you know, the fool, in this case, named Fallen, and their journey through the Major Arcana tells the story of Fallen's encounter with some of the major figures of the Major Arcana and how they sort of embody each step as we do as we go through the journey ourselves along with the Fool. So this is um, just the short little entry for the world. Fallen had finally found peace within his heart. For the first time on his journey, he felt whole. He hummed an old village ballad as he prepared his evening meal of beans and vegetables he had collected on his path that day. He drew a pouch from inside his warm coat and added the contents to his pot. Having lived on the road for so long, he knew exactly which herbs to collect, what flavor they imparted, and to what meal he could add them. This is such a beautiful place. The river is calm. There's a village not too far away. It has a tavern where I'm sure to get some work and earn enough money to buy more food. Maybe I'll get these boots repaired too. I might even spend a few weeks here before heading home to Eve. Fallen directed his thoughts to the trees and the bubbling river as it swept over the stones beside his campsite. That evening he meditated, as was his habit, before he retired for the night. This night he felt that his life was as it should be, complete. Even his longing to be reunited with Eve was complete within itself. The patterns of light and shadow played against the tree trunks and branches around his campfire. It felt like everything around him was alive and shared in his happiness. It was at that moment of feeling so happy his heart would break that the ground began to shudder. It felt like he was in the middle of an earthquake. An enormous wheel spun in his mind, like the world itself was spinning. Fallen felt himself spinning too, in perfect harmony with the world. All is right with the world, and I am happy, were his last thoughts as he fell, still spinning that perfect spin into a deep and dreamless sleep. And there's an epilogue and a little bit more, and then he continues his journey through the minor arcana, but um, that is the completion of his journey through the major. All right. 
Let's talk about the magical plant that I've decided to pair with the world this episode, ivy, or Hedera helix, also sometimes referred to by its folk name, gort. <laughs> it's a species of flowering plant of the ivy genus in the family Aureliaceae. A rampant clinging evergreen vine, it is a familiar sight in gardens and wild areas where it can be seen growing on walls, fences, and tree trunks across its native and introduced habitats. Ivy has a tendency to grow readily and without any human assistance and has attained popularity as an ornamental plant, but can also grow unchecked in wild and cultivated areas. Ivy is also an evergreen plant, particularly honored during this time of year when most plants die or lose their foliage through the winter. And for these reasons, it's been imbued with a spiritual significance throughout history and the world over. In some cultures, it was brought into homes to drive out evil spirits. And in ancient Rome, it was believed that a wreath of ivy could prevent a person from becoming drunk, which was proven not to be true, actually. Uh, in fact, such a wreath was worn by Bacchus, the god of wine, among many other things, along with his Greek equivalent Dionysus. And thanks to these connections, however, the symbol of the ivy plant, as well as ivy bushes and ivy-wrapped poles, have been used to locate and identify pubs and taverns in the United Kingdom. The clinging nature of ivy also lends to its use uh, as a symbol of love and friendship, and the old tradition of priests giving ivy to newlyweds is attributed to this symbolism. Uh, and as it clings to dead trees and remains green, it was also viewed as a symbol of the eternal life of the soul after death of the body, especially in medieval Christian symbolism. Ivy seems to also lend a level of prestige to the buildings that it climbs along. And some of the most prestigious universities in the United States, for this reason, are referred to as part of what is known as the Ivy League. And its widespread appearance in paintings of the Romantic movement seemed to point to the impermanence of human affairs against the supreme power and persistence of nature. Hedera helix, in particular, has a long history of medicinal use in various cultures. However, it's essential to note that while some historical uses exist, modern medicine doesn't extensively recommend ivy for medicinal purposes due to potential toxicity and variability of its effects. For information's sake alone, some historical uses include helping with respiratory issues such as bronchitis, coughs, and congestion. It was believed to have expectorant qualities, aiding in the expulsion of phlegm for its potential anti-inflammatory effects. Poultices from ivy leaves were applied to swollen or inflamed areas. In some instances, ivy extracts were used topically to treat skin conditions like minor cuts, sores, and skin infections due to its perceived antiseptic properties and rheumatic ailments, as ivy is also historically believed to possess properties that could alleviate rheumatic symptoms and joint pain applied externally as a poultice or a salve. However, of course, it's crucial to highlight that the medicinal use of ivy has been associated with, again, potential toxicity, especially if ingested in large quantities. 
the leaves and berries of some ivy species can contain substances that may cause gastrointestinal irritation, vomiting, and other adverse reactions if consumed. Therefore, caution should be exercised when considering ivy for any medicinal use. In contemporary medicine, ivy is not commonly recommended for medicinal purposes due to the availability of safer and more effective treatments for respiratory ailments and other conditions. It's mostly grown as an ornamental plant. Always seek the guidance of a qualified healthcare professional before using any herb or plant for medicinal purposes, as they can provide informed advice considering individual health conditions, potential drug interactions, and dosage guidelines. So let's go over some folklore associated with ivy. As it holds folkloric and symbolic associations from various cultures throughout history. So ivy has been regarded as a symbol of immortality, rebirth, and everlasting life. Its evergreen nature, ability to cling and grow in challenging conditions, and its tendency to remain green in winter have led to its associations with eternity. In some cultures, ivy symbolizes fidelity, loyalty, and enduring friendship, and has been used in wedding bouquets or decorations as a representation of the lasting bond between partners. In ancient Greek and Roman mythology, ivy was linked to Dionysus, or Bacchus in Roman mythology, the god of wine, fertility, and revelry. Ivy was associated with Dionysian celebrations, parties, and festivals. It's a celebratory plant. (laughs) And as a protective symbol, ivy was believed to possess the protective qualities against negative energies, evil spirits, and misfortune. It was sometimes grown near houses or used in wreaths as a charm to ward off evil. Ivy's ability to grow vigorously and cover barren spaces has led to its association with spring, renewal and regeneration, and it symbolizes the cycle of life, growth, and renewal, and also death and rebirth. In Celtic folklore, ivy was seen as a symbol of death and resurrection as its growth patterns climbing upward and then back down were interpreted as symbolic of the journey of the soul through life, death, and rebirth. And ivy has been um, a recurring motif in poetry and literature, often used to evoke themes of love, endurance, and the passage of time. It's inspired and shown up in various literary works symbolizing different aspects of life and nature. Some of these include The Ivy Tree by Mary Stewart, The Ivy Crown by William Carlos Williams, A Midsummer Night's Dream and Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare, and many more. The list goes on, but the most common similarities in folklore associations with ivy are themes of everlasting life, loyalty, protection, and the cyclical nature of existence. In modern witchcraft and pagan practices, ivy holds various symbolic, magical, and ritualistic uses, of course, varying among practitioners and traditions. But a few ways that ivy is used in modern witchcraft include as a symbol to represent endurance, growth, fertility, protection, and the cycle of life in spells or rituals for protection. Uh, Many practitioners believe that ivy possesses protective energies and can be used in protective spells and rituals. It may be placed around the home, hung above doorways, or included in charm bags for warding off negative energies or evil influences. 
And it's also said to protect against disaster where it is grown or strewn. Ivy's natural ability to cling and bind itself to surfaces is often symbolically linked to spells involving unity, togetherness, relationships, and binding. And it can be used in rituals or spells aimed at fostering connections, relationships, and romantic partnerships. Also, I want to point out here that ivy um, can be harmful to the trees that it grows on. So, you know, not, not telling you to, to go be naughty, but when you think about the way that it clings to the tree, almost suffocating it, almost binding it in, to the point where it cannot survive unless the ivy is removed. Um, in terms of binding magic, that's pretty powerful, pretty intense. But back to partnerships. Ivy was traditionally carried by women for good luck in general, and for this reason was popularly worn by brides. And we see Ivy turning up in fidelity and love spells for this reason, often paired with holly. As ritual decorations, ivy, with its evergreen leaves and aesthetically pleasing appearance, is often used as a decorative element in rituals, altars, and seasonal celebrations, particularly during the spring and winter seasons. In nature-based magic, connecting with its energies during rituals honoring nature, growth, and the changing of seasons, uh, it may be used in rituals celebrating the cycle of life or the renewal of nature. Practitioners of green witchcraft who focus on herbalism and natural energies may use ivy in herbal magic or spell work. However, caution is advised as some species of ivy can be toxic if ingested or can cause skin irritation. And ivy leaves or vines might be used in divination practices or as tools in ritual work, such as using ivy leaves for scrying or as part of a divination setup. Ivy is also said to aid us in times of uncomfortable change or transition. She's able to grow in almost any condition, often looked at as a pest as a result because of her ability to thrive and continue to grow and grow in any direction that suits her. For this reason, she can offer peace during difficult and uncertain times of change and help us to trust in the universe. Like our fool in the beginning of this journey, but unlike the fool, she has learned to roll with the punches, overcome, and persevere, led by her spirit and an uncanny ability to survive against all odds. For this reason, she holds similarities with the themes of the World Tarot card. For example, when we consider completion and fulfillment, both Ivy and the World card represent completion and fulfillment and attainment. The World card signifies the successful conclusion of a significant phase or a journey, while ivy symbolizes endurance, completion, and the ability to grow and cover space fully. With wholeness and unity, we see the world card embody the concept of wholeness, unity, and the integration of diverse aspects. And similarly, ivy, with its intertwining vines and leaves, symbolizes unity and interconnectedness as it grows and binds itself, creating a cohesive and complete whole. Both Ivy and the World Card are associated with cycles and renewal. The World Card signifies the end of one cycle and the beginning of another, while Ivy's growth patterns, from climbing upward to descending back down, symbolize the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. 
both Ivy and the World card possess connotations of eternity and everlasting life. The World card's circular wreath represents eternal cycles, and Ivy, with its evergreen nature and ability to remain green in winter, is linked to the idea of enduring life and eternal qualities. And then finally, a connection to nature and spiritual understanding. The world card signifies spiritual enlightenment and unity in the cosmos, while Ivy's association with nature, growth, and the natural world ties it to the spiritual aspects of life. <laughs> Have to say, it's important to exercise caution when using Ivy in magical practices, especially considering the potential toxicity of certain species. Always ensure that you are using a variety of ivy that is safe for your intended purpose and take necessary precautions if handling the plant directly. And as with any magical practice, individual intent, personal beliefs, and the specific tradition or path followed by the practitioner can significantly influence how ivy is incorporated into their witchcraft practices. And always approach her with the respect she deserves, not just from a magical practitioner, but a fellow inhabitant of the beautiful land that she grows on. And as I finish up with all of this talk of completion and new beginnings, I want to wish you all a happy conclusion to this year, as I will be going on break at this point and returning with my next episode, season two, I suppose, on Friday, January 5th. It's been an amazing first year, and I want to express my heartfelt gratitude for all of you listeners and wish you a wonderful solstice season and a happy new year. And before I let you go, I'm going to share a spell for the end of this year and the start of the new one. Uh, actually, first, let me go ahead and offer a warm and heartfelt welcome to Cheryl Kay. Cheryl Kay is the newest member of the Patreon. Thank you so much, Cheryl Kay, for your support. I appreciate you so much, and I hope that you love being a part of our community. So thank you, Cheryl Kay. All right, so the spell that I want to share with you before I let you go is from 365 Tarot Spells, Creating the Magic of Each Day by Sasha Graham. And this one... Uh, it's going to take quite a few tarot cards from your deck. Um, specifically, you're going to need the world card, obviously. But then you're also going to need the ace and the ten from each of your suits. So what you'll need from this, it's uh, the spell itself is called the World Card's Fabulous New Year Spell. And you're going to need the world, the ten of swords, the ace of swords, the ten of wands, the ace of wands the Ten of Pentacles, the Ace of Pentacles, the Ten of Cups, and the Ace of Cups. So here is your spell. And altogether, you've got nine cards here. Nine is the number of wish fulfillment. Nine cards are used for this spell. Place the world card before you on your workspace. Enter the card. Allow yourself to become the world dancer. Feel the energy of the past year swirling around you like warm, cleansing ocean waters. Float in the middle of her nebula. Recall a way of thinking that you ended this year, or a decision that you made that put an end to something negative. State out loud what you decided or did as you lay your Ten of Swords card directly to the left of your world card. Focus on this card 
and honor yourself for removing what was no longer needed. What new decision have you made? State it out loud and place your Ace of Swords card directly to the left of the Ten of Swords. Next, think of a work or passion project you completed this year. Say it out loud as you place the Ten of Wands card directly below the World card. Where and what new project will you focus your attention on now? Say it as you place the Ace of Wands below the Ten of Wands. Next, think of the material things that you manifested into existence this year, the money you acquired, the people you attracted, or the food you've cooked, the environments you've created. Say out loud the thing you are proudest of manifesting as you lay the Ten of Pentacles directly to the right of the world card. What new thing do you want to bring into existence? Say it out loud as you lay the Ace of Pentacles directly to the right of the Ten of Pentacles. Now think what you felt good about in the past year, especially relationships with others as you lay the Ten of Cups directly above the World card. What new emotional opening do you desire? Say it out loud as you place the Ace of Cups. When you're finished placing all the cards and you have the cross formation laid on the surface before you, say the following incantation. The end of year, time is here. Goodbye to old, usher in the new, acknowledge everything I've been through. And that is the spell. Okay. That is everything that I have for you today. So please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, Coffee Stained Notes on Witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you're listening. If you'd like some more content, please go to aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, the living grimoire, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony, that's an underscore in between each word, over on threads under the same exact handle, or you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash A is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at A is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join the community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash A is for Agrimony, where I share early release unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, occasional bonus content, and more to come. Again, thank you for listening, be well, and have an amazing weekend.